Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the April 2023 uh, Soul Refiner Men's Mission Brief. Uh, very excited to get some more Q&As done here. Uh, really, really excited to have a whole bunch of folks already flowing in. I'm looking down here at the bottom of the screen. I already have uh, quite a few people in here. So let's get the chat cranked up as usual. Uh, this is really kind of the main attraction for a lot of folks that join this live. Uh, the chat is something that you can participate in live, and you don't have to worry about it being you know, in the recording later on uh, whenever we post this either into Facebook or into our podcast. And so a lot of folks come for the chat exclusively whenever we do this live, so that way they can connect with other leaders out there or other men out there across the world who are uh, looking to get a little bit of answers regarding the healing from sexual sin, sexual stronghold, and uh, Probably more importantly, how are you going to help the people that you love the most that have been affected by what you went through, um, that have been affected by your sin? How are you going to help their healing? And so in the chat, I'd love to hear who all is in the group already, who is coming in, where are you from, uh, what are you looking to talk about today? Now, we've got a litany of questions already, but we will always go where the Holy Spirit leads us. So please be putting that in there. Uh, into the chat. And if you're looking to just make some, some ice-breaking connection in the chat, let's talk about uh, your Easter. Let's talk about your resurrection weekend, what that looked like. Was there some great revelation that you had throughout this weekend? Maybe you came a little bit closer in your walk. Maybe you discovered a walk for the first time. Um, love seeing the folks you know, coming through here. Northwest Florida, uh, love that area of the country. I've been to Pensacola a few times myself. Uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, Southern Indiana. I know we got brothers flowing in from all over the place. And if you're coming in and you're looking at this on the replay, uh, know that we love you as well. And so let's open in a word of prayer before we get going. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you for giving us this time. Uh, thank you for allowing men that space from all over the world to come in here and talk about uh, what you're doing in their lives in regards to recovering from sexual sin, sexual stronghold, sexual addiction, uh, whatever term we couch, uh, we moved away from you, Lord. And so as you draw us back closer to you, uh, when we recognize our sin and when you call it out in us, uh, we understand that is your love poured out on us. When you expose our sin, um, that is your true love. Your wrath poured out on us would be if you allowed us to stay where we were. Uh, but you would rather us be reconciled, restored, and redeemed unto you. And so, God, we, we sink into that. We love you for it, um, not just for what you're doing in our lives, but we love you for who you are. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So wonderful. Oh, man, Africa. I, I just saw Africa. I'm sure there's other people from uh, from different continents here uh, across the, the ponds, so to speak. But it's, it's so good to see us going international already in this meeting. Uh, thrilled to death. Northern California. I think that's a, a different country, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I, I lose track sometimes uh, with some of these states out there that um, that are across you know, our, our whole country, if, if they're even part of us anymore. I'm kidding, of course. So God bless California. God bless all the states here in the union. So thank you so much. Well, man, let's just jump right into it. Uh, before we get into the questions, I just want to call your attention to a few scriptures where we're going to be dabbling today. Uh, first off, the whole book of Song of Solomon is always open game. It is always kind of our source guide on what biblical marriage, biblical courtship, uh, biblical bedroom Biblical sexuality looks like. Let's just call it out for what it is. So Song of Solomon is always going to be a place where we're going to go in and, and do some anchoring and some discussions. Uh, Proverbs 5 and 7 
are going to be especially appropriate today. So I want to make sure that men have that on hot standby. And again, with your Bibles, I don't care what style it is. I don't care what kind it is. I don't care if you got to open it up, power it up, get to the tab, the whispering of the pages, like from my old Baptist church, if that's what you have to do, I understand. And again, NIV, ESV, uh, KCB, that's the Kids Crayon Bible, uh, the TAB, Teen Action Bible. Get into it. Open it up. You can't miss, I promise. Uh, and if you're dogmatic in your theology and you think there's only one true um, version of it, hey, God bless. Okay, grab that one true version. Uh, but don't hesitate as we go through, and maybe I read from something different than you're used to, typically is the ESV in my world. Um, don't hesitate to take a look and see, hey, why is there a difference here? What does the Greek say? What does the Hebrew say? Oh my goodness, what does the Aramaic say from Jesus' time? So, and then finally, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 10 as well. So 1 Corinthians 10, I mean, it walks us through from really beginning to end. And it starts talking about sexual immorality in the very beginning of the chapter. And at the very end, it gives us probably our greatest overall charge on what is acceptable and what is not. And we'll get to that here in a little while. Um, but I'm just thrilled to be able to do this out of the Bible, to be able to do this with what God had in mind for our own sexuality personally, and then the sexuality that we share uh, with the women that we love. And I'm talking about our wives. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the forbidden woman, but that's going to come a little bit later. And I think everybody understands what that is. If you don't, uh, and, then that's a different conversation. I'd love for you to reach out to me uh, in, individually. Um, uh, we're going to put my name up in or my email up into the chat if you don't mind uh, soul refiner if you could just throw in there how, how folks can reach me that is lamar.d at soulrefiner.com that is a traditional spelling of lamar as if there's other ones out there and so uh, that's going to be going up into the chat on how to reach me would love 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 to connect with you individually um, if you are a member already you've probably either seen a text or an email from me um, if you are watching this in a replay and you're a lady, you've probably received a text or an email from my wife. Uh, if you need to get a hold of her, you can always do that through me. Um, but just would love to, to really get with you, talk about what's going on in your life, where it is that Jesus has made some incredible inroads, and then where it is that you need him even more. And so let's jump into the questions. I am super stoked about this. Uh, I am ready to to really answer some very difficult questions. And, and I'll be honest, man, we have a doozy at the very end. And it's something that, that when you hear it, you're going to probably bristle a little bit. But I want you to understand that every single one of us that are here right now, because of the reason that we're here, we were in the exact same spot as this dear brother that wrote this question at the very end of our, of our discussion today. And so let's start off with something really, really nice and simple. Uh, this is this is hilarious if you ask me in terms of simplicity, um, but we miss it and we we tap dance around it. We try and justify it. We do all these different things um, throughout this, uh, throughout the discussion on this matter, um, to make it seem like it's it's either not so bad or the Lord really doesn't doesn't have too much to say on it. But really, it's what are the biblical instructions regarding masturbation? And I, on cue. The latest chat here is from a dear brother. He says, what is one thing you would tell to men in masturbation addiction? And I, I just want to say, first off, you are not alone. Um, for the men that are here, if you have struggled at all in your life with sexual sin, sexual stronghold, odds are that you definitely struggled with uncontrollable masturbation. And for me personally, I'll just, I'll couch it up front, men. 
Uh, I struggled for 30 years with masturbation that led me down a path, sexual addiction, led me down the path of multiple physical affairs, multiple emotional affairs, eventually ended with one of my affair partners being killed and a tent being made on my life. And even then that was not enough. I was not completely laid flat. And so the, the uh, masturbation addiction piece for me, I could not go between meals without some kind of a fix. And so uh, you are not alone. You never have to feel that way again. If anybody calls you out and says that you're kind of weird for this, uh, they have some, uh, some untruth, some unhealth in their life as well. And so the masturbation addiction piece is basically saying, even if I know that it's wrong, even if I, I'm no longer having these physical affairs, I'm no longer you know, consuming porn, I just can't keep my hands off myself. I just can't stop masturbating myself. Um, first off, you're not broken. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a release that the world has told us that we have to have. In our distorted, corrupted world, it says that a man has to have that, either A, in order to be a real man, B, in order not to have some kind of uh, uro urology problem. Uh, any number of things could, could have been telling you this. Or maybe it's because when you were very young, you got hooked on porn, you saw something, you duplicated it in your own life by yourself, manually with your hand, and now it's something that you feel like you can't live without. So that, that's kind of the validating piece of it. When I say validate, it's just an understanding of here's, here's, an under, here's why we're doing what we're doing, or here's maybe an explanation of what's happening with you. And so you are certainly not alone there, and you're certainly not um, too far off base with what the world says. So we got to go back to what the Bible says. And a lot of guys, they, they kind of, they want to argue a little bit about this and they'll say, well, why do I have to go with what the Bible has to say? Um, I think that all of us can take a look around the world today, looking at world affairs, and we can have a firm understanding that when we leave it to ourselves as men and women, as humans, uh, it, it's going to go sadly sideways and, and quick, fast, in a hurry, is it going to go sideways? And so as we look to some kind of different moral authority, um, I can't help but land on the Bible. And if anybody ever wants to have the evangelical conversation about uh, what are the other pathways to heaven, et cetera, let, let's do that too. Again, my email is further up in the chat. I'd love to, to have that conversation with somebody as well. So, but the Bible's idea of healthy sexuality is, is, is binary. I know that's a whole different discussion when we say the word binary. Uh, we'll talk about gender some other time. But for today's purposes, the idea of godly sexuality is binary. And really it comes down to on, on the one pole is the notion that our Lord is enough and there is no need for you to be married. And the other pole is if you cannot control yourself and you burn with passion for one person, one woman, one marriage, one lifetime, then be married. And that's, that, 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 those are really the two poles of godly, healthy sexuality. Now, there's a lot of mil middle to color in there, and we're going to do a lot of that today. But this is kind of leading us into the conversations that we're going to have, and it starts with the masturbation piece. Masturbation is very similar to abortion in that it is a sin that the Bible really doesn't address straightforwardly. But if you, mentioned, if you remember earlier, I talked about 1 Corinthians 10. And so I'm going to get straight to the punchline. We're only a few minutes in, but this is kind of going to be our anchor for the whole day. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it very clearly. 
that whatever you do, it is to the glory of God. And we can argue to the cows come home about, well, my wife allows me to masturbate. Or I need to masturbate for some kind of urological release. Or my cat, my dog, my homework need to masturbate. I need to masturbate. And so whenever we come up with these excuses, I think that we have to come back to 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and ask ourselves, how do we masturbate to the glory of God? And when we ask ourselves that very difficult question, it really cuts through a lot of the arguments. And so I just want to encourage you men, when you talk about sexual purity, when you talk about godly, healthy sexuality, masturbation is not a piece of that. And is it going to take some, some time to get yourself right in that regard? I would submit it's probably easier to come down off of crack cocaine or heroin than it is to stop masturbating. And that's just because of how we're built, and it's probably for how long we've been doing this and how long we've, we've had it inculcated into our heads that this is a piece of life, this is what healthy sexuality is about. And so uh, I, I see that the, the good and noble folks there at Soul Refiner just dropped that 1 Corinthians 10, 31 in there. And this is going to be something that we continue to come back to throughout these discussions, throughout these questions about whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We're going to talk about marital bed. What does that look like? And again, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 is going to kind of be where we land. And so for the masturbation piece, I believe those are the biblical instructions on masturbation. And again, if people want to talk about this, this is a wide open discussion. Your chats are there. Uh, if you have a question where you want to have it blaze in directly to me, uh, the Q&A is there. Um, and so and in the Q&A right now, I have a question. If you're single, is masturbation really a sin? If you are just doing it to yourself, who are you hurting? Um, and so the second part of that is where we'll land now. Who are you hurting? Uh, there are <laughs> so many folks that are going to receive the second and third order effects of our fantasy land masturbation. And that includes our future wives. That includes those kids of ours that grow up without somebody to be able to tell them that this is not really something that you can do notionally to the glory of God. This is not really something that you can do realistically to the glory of God, not just notionally. And so if we cannot get this piece of our lives right, it's going to be very difficult as we launch into having those kind of discussions with our future children, or better yet, with folks that we come in co into contact with throughout our lives that have these same kind of questions. For folks that have been broken by sexual sin that are in a marital relationship and their wives are just devastated, but they can't keep their hands off of their own bodies. We have to be able to address this because you're here. If you're single, that means that you are interested at some point in becoming a leader. Y'all have heard me say many, many times again, in, in terms of sexual sin, sexual stronghold, if you are in recovery, advanced recovery equals leadership. And so as you go to lead these other men, you know, your mantra almost has to be, how do I not become a stumbling block to somebody else? And if, and if we're sharing an incorrect notion of what masturbation is in a biblical sense, then I think that we're causing a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. So uh, that's our first Q&A question. Please keep the questions coming either via the chat or in the Q&A. Um, outside of that, we have just a ton of these other questions out here. Uh, I want to uh, address a couple things that were Q&As. Uh, they're really kind of logistical in terms of the website. Um, some folks are wondering how come the Zoom links don't work. 
uh, from the website. Uh, the Zoom links are between your leader and the members of a group. And so please get with your group leader about the Zoom link. Uh, if you're a group leader and you want to have it always be one Zoom link and you can't figure that part out, let me know. Again, my email is up at the, at the top of this chat and then we can work through things like that. Another piece that I wanted to address is, uh, lo again, logistically, some men have some difficulty because their Warpath episodes, their Warpath versions, don't reflect the actual video with what's correct in the study guide. Uh, it'll say, maybe this is episode nine in the study guide, but on the video, it's episode 14. We had some version control issues with our Warpath um, at one point, and so we had to make a second version of Warpath. And so due to some, some tech constraints, right now there are still some people out there that are having a hard time with Warpath, getting everything to line up exactly right. It's not that you don't have the right episodes available to you. You do. It's just that they're not in the right order and they're not placed where they need to be. Um, so if you're having those problems, reach out to me individually and I can help you through that. So I just wanted to call out just those logistical things because it, it, it's, it's happened more than once and we want to make sure that everybody is able to be taken care of and, and they, they won't have any kind of uh, distractions. Uh, a lot of folks that are in recovery from sexual sin, sexual stronghold, will use any distraction whatsoever to allow it to be steered off the path. And so we don't want that to happen. Please reach out, we wanna make it right. We now have a dedicated uh, individual in our tech department who is working through all these bugs. Um, it's a little bit of a slog, not gonna lie, but we wanna make sure that folks just have no distractions, especially when it comes to the website. And so I love here what I'm seeing about a man saying, and this is my good buddy, Troy. He's saying that, that woman on the screen is somebody's daughter. And it's not only somebody's daughter physically, um, that, is, that is Christ's daughter. And I, I just, I, I can't say it any better. Um, she is broken. I guarantee you that was not her initial plan leading into life, that she was either going to be taking off all her clothes on the screen, on the pole, or for somebody that paid her to be uh, behind the door of that hotel room. That is never a woman's going in plan. That is never the entering argument. And she, hey, listen, the, the woman may say, yes, I enjoy this. This is what I'm supposed to be. It doesn't matter. That, that is not what any little girl's dream is, okay? The, the sex trafficking that goes on here, the way that the women are just basically forced into these kinds of lifestyle by either chemical dependency or by some man not doing what he's supposed to do and truly loving her, uh, it's got really no bearing on, on our own obedience, okay? And so our obedience is that we treat her like a child of God and somebody else's daughter, so... Okay, let's get on to the next question here. And some of these are, are fairly long. I just want to call that out. Um, so, so bear with me as I read through some of these because context is super important. And so I've got a man here who says his problem still continues and he, he, he's getting worse. Um, and so he has an extensive negative background, both mental and physical abuse. Uh, he's 70 years old, still wakes up with middle of the night physical reactions, um, uh, his wife will say his name softly and he wakes up. He has panic attacks. He goes into over emotional overload and he turns to porn. Um, he does figure it out within about five or 10 minutes that it's not going to fix his problems. But by then there's been some masturbation and uh, the emotions seem to have calmed down, but he knows that what's happened is wrong and he wants to stop. And he wants to know how to fully stop. 
He says, by the way, it's physically difficult to make love to my wife, which drives them into the cycle where she won't even want to start the process. She's reluctant to even begin to have relations with him. And then the next thing he knows, he's using masturbation after viewing porn for a few minutes or reading something neurotic. He said he's tried counseling for over a year at different times in his life. Nothing seems to help. And it just seems to perpetuate the cycle as his past situations become fresh again. He says he does pray about it quite a bit. He asks God to help his wife to become physically interested in him. And most of the time his prayers are answered. And he's fine for some months or so. But then she gets busy or tired from trying to de-stress from her job. And he is left frustrated. And he says he became addicted to porn during his time overseas in Vietnam. He says every vet during that time came home with an addiction. He just chose porn over heavy drugs or alcohol. And he says, I'm a Christian. I know what I do with porn is wrong. And it'll condemn my soul to hell. I just can't seem to fully conquer it. So, brother, you are in the right spot. I want, I want to encourage you in that regard. I want to just let you know that you are loved. Um, it doesn't mean that anybody here is ever going to um, not only validate and acknowledge your sin, but also to say like, oh, it's okay. Because it's not okay. And you recognize that it's not okay. And I'm, I hear that you want to stop. And I, I believe that. And so as you go through and, and you look at these groups that are in Conquer, um, take a look at who are some of these other leaders that are out here. And, and I can turn you on to some of these other leaders out here. Guys like Joe Medlock and Cliff Walken and Troy. And these other men that, that have got this these tremendous levels of experience working with other men that have suffered in sexual sin and stronghold. And even though your story is absolutely a, a thousand percent unique to your own situation, it's actually about 95 to 99% similar to a lot of these other men that are here. And the, the age really has nothing to do with it. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm working with a bunch of guys that are in their 20s all the way up into their 70s and 80s. And it's one of the best groups I've ever had because of the disparities in age and, and, and experience levels. And so there are men out there that have gone through something almost exactly the same as you with, with a few small variations. And so you are not alone and you are not unique. Um, I will suggest that as you, as you take a look at this history behind it, that as you start to think about who am I going to work with, um, whomever that might be, be it an American Christian biblical counselor uh, a licensed, uh, uh, licensed therapist, be it someone who might be at a place uh, where you go check in for some in, inpatient intensive rehab. Uh, they need to have experience, not just with addiction, but also specifically with sexual sin, sexual stronghold addiction. And so um, whomever you might be talking to, if they don't have that level of experience, as, as you look at it, what are they saying about folks that do have that experience? What are they saying about, well, this is a, a cure-all, what I have to offer. It doesn't matter what has happened to me. It doesn't matter what my level of experience might be. I can still help you. Um, I love to, to liken it to, are you looking at a physical therapy relationship where you have a therapist who's willing to put you through a tremendous amount of pain but wants to see you free from your physical maladies? Or are you going to a chiropractor who keeps you coming back every few months for another crack of the back? And so you're looking for that physical therapy. Uh, and if you're a chiropractor out there, hey, man, I love chiropractors. They do great work out there. Um, I'm, just, I'm just calling a, a simple analogy here. And so please make sure that you're working with the right folks. Make sure that your group is a bunch of other guys that have been through something similar. 
Uh, it's not just a men's group that you might be looking for. It's actually a men's recovery group specifically from sexual sin, sexual stronghold. Um, I recommend a biblical men's group. Listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in things like AA and NA. I do know with, with SA, okay, or SAA, Sexual uh, Addicts Anonymous, sometimes that can be uh, co-ed. That's not a starter. I, I don't think that's a healthy environment. Um, but getting with other folks that have gone through something similar is incredibly important. And then realizing what it is in your life, going all the way back to the source of where all this started, and it doesn't necessarily have to be some kind of devastating childhood event where you may have been molested, where you may have been forced into doing something that you didn't want to do, where you may have been sexually corrupted. It may have been from when you picked it up, kind of similar to what happened to me when you were 14 or 15, and you couldn't get enough of it, and the sin kept snowballing. Regardless, being able to go back to the beginning and work through that and understand that Jesus was there and he was available to you, I think is incredibly important. Um, for some guys, this is going to be something they can, they can work through with Jesus in terms of, of community. For other guys, they're going to need community and counseling. But for everybody, we definitely have to have Christ in the center of it. So without that firm understanding that there's no way you're going to get well without Jesus here, um, I, I think that's a starting point. But outside of that, it may require a weekend intensive. It may require a week-long intensive, a month, three months. We're familiar with nine-month programs that are out there. Um, that is going to be based off of where you are in surrender, where you are in terms of some of the wounding that, that has happened. But regardless, Jesus is going to be in the middle. So I, I just want to let you know that we're here for you. We love you. Uh, I'll be writing you back personally about this. And so if you have questions, please keep asking them. So thank you so much. So, all right, here's a great one. So I am a recovering SA. After his D-Day four years ago, I stopped all acting out. He's been sober for four years. Except for one thing, I looked at other women for about a year and a half afterwards. And then when he got caught, he lied about that. He's addressed that since then using some of Dr. Weiss's methods. Uh, today, he feels totally clean. This is where it kind of goes sideways a little bit for us. This is where the story doesn't end so happily. His wife sought comfort in other men via dating sites. She needed validation for the hurt caused. She felt not good enough or sexy enough that the, the, the man that she's married to looked at other people. She still sees the man as, as the monster that he once was. He admits to everything. He's trying to get things right, and it, but he does understand he still gets things wrong. He empathizes and, and fails sometimes with her. He now feels so hurt and rejected and alone, pushed away. Um, but his wife is still exchanging emails with other guys, and she's met at least one. Now, they're still together in the same house all the time, 24-7. They do almost everything together. But he feels under constant threat of divorce, and a court case is due. Now, he has managed to tell her about his hurt, but he gets told that he has no right to feel this. And then to add to those feelings of remorse for who he once was, he now feels like a doormat. Uh, he supports everything financially, and he has put his heart, body, and soul into loving her. So, well, brother, look, look, again, look, let me just, you ain't alone. And a lot of guys out there might, might feel something like this. A lot of guys out there might be going through a very similar situation. And again, they're not alone either. So as you work through this, I just want to kind of overarch everything with her response in this has really nothing to do with your obedience. And your obedience in turn has really nothing to do with her response. 
her response will, be, will come eventually as she sees what you're doing in recovery, or it won't. This is so similar to how we're called to love our, our wives, kind of like Christ loved the church, exactly how Christ loved the church. And, and you know, to get down to Ephesians 5, um, that's where we get that directive. After he tells both of us, both the man and the woman, to submit to each other, he reminds the woman to submit to the, to the man, and then he, he kind of ups the ante for the, the man in the relationship. And he, he implores us, he demands us to love our wives. And then he says, how much do you love her? And then he, he pop, puts it out there. You love her just the way that Christ loved the church. And some of the best pastors I've ever heard always go back to, well, how did Christ love the church? First off, we're all the church. Um, every single one of us that are here, we're a member of the church. And yes, he loved us by going to the cross for us. And when we go to the cross for our significant others, when we go to the cross for the women that we've hurt the most, especially in recovery, by the way, in recovery in which we're far outrunning their recovery, when we go to the cross for them, much like Jesus, there is no indication that there's going to be a response from us. As a matter of fact, Jesus went to the cross and, and most will not respond. Most will not dedicate their lives and hand it over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They won't make that full surrender. But he knew that, and he did it anyway. And that is what we're called to do. Matter of fact, the best shot that she has of discontinuing this behavior, and this is abhorrent behavior, and nobody deserves this. I will not minimize the pain that's being caused you. But that pain gets focused right back into the cross. And are we going to take that pain to the foot of the cross? Are we going to take our former sin to the foot of the cross, our whole marriage, and leave it there? Andy Stanley says it best. He goes, yeah, we leave it there sometimes, but then we try and smuggle it back out of there and into our own lives and say, I got this now. I don't need this anymore. And so as you go into this with a recognition that this may not work out, but his grace is sufficient. And because I know what I'm supposed to do in light of what Jesus did for me, I am going to love this woman with, with really reckless abandon, with utter vulnerability that she could still trample all over my my life. And odds are she probably will. She's another human. You're never going to be perfectly aligned eye to eye. And so understanding, owning your piece of this, and then acting out of obedience to what Jesus is calling you to do, that is where we go. Now, as you pray about the length of time that you're willing to work through this with her, to, to see if there's going to be some tipping point where she is no longer you know, acting out this way, so to speak. Um, that is between you and Christ. Get the wise counsel of other men that have been through something similar. They're out there. They're in this group right now. There are other men out there that have suffered through revenge affairs. There are other men out there that have had their wives say, you know what, you got to have your fun. It's time for me to have mine. And they're still sitting there with their wives because God has got in the middle of those relationships. And the restoration piece, that just is a sense of going back to ops normal. It's restored, reconciled, and it is moving into a redemptive relationship. But again, that starts with your surrender, your continued surrender over to Jesus and saying, Lord, I don't know where this is going, but I know that you have to be in the middle of it. Otherwise, there's no chance for it. Because the way it is right now, clearly that's not the marriage that you want. It's going to have to be a third act of that marriage. You had your piece of the acting out marriage. You had her piece of the acting out marriage. And now you're looking for that, that redeemed relationship. 
And the best news of all, I believe, is even if it doesn't work out and you will be devastated, no doubt, but how much better are you prepared out of obedience for whatever it is next that God has for you? And that might be just you and him. That's not a promise that there's going to be the next woman out there. So if anybody has anything to add, please drop all this into the chat. I'm not able to see all the chats right now just based on some system limitations. Uh, I do know that Soul Refiner is there just, just pounding out a lot of these responses and letting folks know and encouraging. And I also know that we've got a ton of brothers out there that are just out there, again, encouraging in these chats. So thank you so much, man. Okay, loving this. I'm going to go with something from my, my friend Elias here. When I was nine, I first saw a form of pornography. I was addicted to looking at images like that for about three years. When at that point, I first tried masturbation. Since I was 12, I've been addicted, and I know it's wrong. I just don't know how to stop. Let me, let me again, most of us have been here. There's been the lament. You should have written Psalm 151 here, Elias. Uh, you, you know that it's wrong. You just don't know how to stop. Um, King David was incredible at this, about lamenting to Christ, uh, how wonderful he is, I'm sorry, lamenting to God about how wonderful he is and about how he loves him, but how difficult it is to walk out of that, that sin nature. And so um, starting into a group, I think, is paramount. And I, when I say starting into a group, allowing yourself to become part of the group environment and being vulnerable in front of a bunch of people, and you're already starting that, okay? You're already starting it. And, but really making sure there's some men out there that really know everything about you. Because I think that that transparency prepares you for a transparency that you're going to get with either a future wife, your current wife. And it also prepares you for a, a transparent, transparency and availability to, to Jesus Christ. One that you would not be able to have otherwise. You're not going to be able to finally get real with Christ. Yes, he already knows it all. But it's a whole lot better when you come to him and you admit it and you say, God, I need you. Here's why I need you. You know, calling those sins out and saying, Lord, I, I understand that even as I grow closer to you, just how much bigger you are and how much larger my own depravity is as well, how big, how much bigger the chasm between us grows. And so, Elias, as you start to do that, you really start to understand that you move out of that sense of, of constantly playing defense. <coughs> And when I say constantly playing defense, when you are doing that, when you are constantly focused on, I don't want to do this, I don't want to masturbate, I don't want to look at porn, and you're thinking all the time, masturbation, pornography, okay, you're constantly playing defense. It's almost like a never-ending white knuckle of recovery. And you really have a hard time getting out of your own way because eventually you just say, okay, I, I can't forever play defense. And then as you get into that space where you're able to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. You're not going to, you're not going to try and wipe away the old sin. You're going to understand that's always going to be an understanding of where you can go when you don't follow Jesus. But when you start to truthfully run after Jesus and you're starting to inculcate those habits and those, those patterns of life that take you away from the old pathway, okay, this is the Proverbs 5 and the Proverbs 7 reference that we want to get to. And it talks about the young man out there about how to avoid that woman, that forbidden woman. And so when you think about pornography, you think about masturbation, you think about you know, affairs, you think about the young girl that, that's in the kitchen at work that kind of laughs at you a little bit. I mean, that is the forbidden woman. 
And in the Hebrew, it actually says that strange woman. And so again, we go back to that godly picture of sexuality, that one man, one woman, one lifetime. And when we can think about that, really every other woman out there becomes strange to us. They become forbidden to us. They're not for us. That is some other man's daughter. That is some other man's wife. And that is certainly God's daughter. And so that forbidden woman, this is not to vilify her. It even says that in Proverbs 5. She didn't even know what she's doing. She's just as much of a sinner as the rest of us. But it's not about her. It's about us and our obedience. It is about us and playing offense for Jesus. Understanding that if we are not married and we get this piece right, then our, our future marriages have the best possible chance. If we are married, even if we don't have kids or they're super young, the best possible chance that we, that we have to be great parents for them is if we can get this piece right. Even if our kids are grown, when all my yuck happened, man, my boys were 14, 12, 10, and 8, right in the middle of their formative years. And listen, I would never wish this on anybody. But part of the blessings of the pain that we went through, and I said that, the blessings of the pain that we went through, was that we had a unique ability now to talk to our sons about this kind of stuff. And so when you're able to get in those groups, become radically transparent, start playing offense for Jesus, and stop white-knuckling this recovery, and there's always a sense of impending, I, I just, I want to avoid the next time that I fall off the wagon. I want to avoid the next time that I can't help myself open up the computer and masturbate. When we start thinking about following Jesus, we recognize that's not what he has for us. I'm not nearly naive enough to think that there's not going to be sidesteps along the way or even steps backward. But there's an understanding that that may be who we were, but it's not where we're going. It doesn't excuse it. It certainly doesn't make us glamorize it and think so highly of the old us that we always look back at it and think, oh, those are the good old days. Man, the good old days are what Jesus has in store for us. They're, they're the good now days and the good next days. And so moving into that space where you're surrounded by other guys that know you and that can help call that out in you as you, as you start to make those kind of statements, when you're able to be completely free in front of them and not have to worry about what somebody's going to think about you, that's what changes everything. And if you're one of those guys that sit back and you hear some of these stories and you think, oh, man, I would never do that. We should always say to ourselves, I just haven't done that yet. And so, Brother Elias, I, I hope that that helps you. Uh, let's, let's continue the conversation. Hit me up with uh, a one-on-one -on -one, uh, email, and then we can keep going from there. All right, Jimmy writes in, what is the best way to explain to a non-believer the importance of waiting until marriage for having sex? Whew. Oh, boy. <laughs> um so, Jimmy, you really have to determine, is this an evangelical conversation that you're looking to have with somebody? Is this a discipleship conversation that you're having with somebody? Uh, where are they in their, their sexuality walk? Or is this a recovery conversation you're looking to have with somebody? Um, and in some ways, the recovery conversation makes the evangelical conversation that much better, uh, especially if we're talking about broken sexuality, especially if there's a lot of stuff already in the wake uh, of the damage and the fallout from what's already happened. And so I, I just want you to really gauge this in terms of you know, the less people that are in the marriage bed, the better the marriage bed. And when I say the less people, I'm talking about people that are outside the husband and the wife. Um, all of us have some level of brokenness 
in our personal sexual integrity in our history. Otherwise, we would not be sitting in this meeting right now. And if you're watching this, and, and maybe you've been chaste your whole life, and you've been pure, you know, our Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount that even if you've thought about this, you've already committed adultery. So none of us are without sin. If you're in earshot, trust me, there's been some problem at some point in your life with lust. So all of us have missed here. So let the righteous fall in line behind me as the head liar. And so I just want to let you know that the more people that are in your marriage bed, the less likelihood of success. Now, that is before Jesus gets involved. That is before he inserts himself and says, no, no, that's where I want to do my best work. That's where I want to truly get in there, redeem these relationships, and make it almost like a garden-type message. And so, or garden-type marriage. When I say garden, I'm talking about the Garden of Eden. There, there was nobody else in that marriage bed. Not until you know, we get the serpent and the fracture. It was just the beauty of, of purely naked Adam and Eve. And, and I mean, I think about that visually sometimes with me and my wife, about what would it be like if it was just the two of us in paradise, completely you know, without clothing, and never having to worry about anything else. And, and I think about just the, the true beauty in that. And so... Listen, guys, if you're visualizing that with anybody but your wives, you've missed already, and you're probably out in fantasy land. So let me pull you back into the conversation here. So as we talk to other men, especially non-believers, about why it's important to wait, then we, we need to have them understand about what Jesus had in store for us and about what he truly wants. And that, that true intimacy of marital sex, that true intimacy of because I'm spiritually intimate with this person, that enables me to be emotionally intimate with this person, which out of the overflow of that spiritual and emotional intimacy, I can't help but physically love this person. And when I do, it's got nothing at all to do with me. And when we can you know, flush ourselves, so to speak, flush our own egos, flush our own wants and desires for that self-gratification in whatever regard, be it physically, uh, mentally, some, some men love that, that sense of, okay, I'm being filled because this woman wants me. Well, where, where is she in the middle of that? Um, do you want her? Are you, are you willing to do whatever it takes for her? And so as you go through that and you talk to other men about it, the beauty, it, it, it overshadows anything else that this world has to offer. Uh, our, our favorite pastor is a guy named Joby Martin. I'll call it out. Um, he preaches at the church of 1122 out of Jacksonville, Florida. And one of his favorite sayings, and I'm going to butcher it, is uh, premarital sex will take a bad relationship and prolong it, and it'll flat out ruin a good relationship. And, and I couldn't agree with him more. Um, when I was younger, I used to hear about some of my friends that had met uh, women either online, and they had cultivated this long relationship, you know, through uh, emails or through letters, you know, back before we had these, these, these newfangled computers. And I could never understand how they could do that. That's, that's because I had a corrupted view of sexuality. I thought for sure that you had to really feel the, the, your engine revving uh, to, to love somebody. You had to have that physical connection. You had to have at least that attraction. And, and yes, there's a piece to that. But more than anything else is, man, does, does this woman love Jesus? Can this woman love me for what I truly am? And do I love her for who she, who she truly is? 
I think once we start to answer those questions, we've really gone a long way towards here's why we're going to wait. So, okay, more questions here. Thanks so much, guys. This is, this is incredible just how much uh, y'all have been responding. Okay, my friend Jesse says, how do I overcome a wife where being vulnerable and sharing is not safe? We are separated and she uses everything I share against me. Uh, this, this is kind of going back to that old sense of, um, again, her response is, is really, it's got no bearing on your obedience. And she will use everything against you. And in some ways, if she's using it against you, that's actually not a bad thing because that, that kind of connotes that she is not apathetic. Her anger, and, and in some ways, let's call it her sin of, of maybe being really, really nasty to you, First off, it's been caused by what you did to her. Uh, and so owning that is, a, is an incredible piece of it. Uh, you, it cannot be overlooked. And then a continual owning of it. I don't care if it's been 15 or 20 years. My wife are coming up on seven years of dedicated recovery, and it'll be eight years since the incident uh, that really disclosed things that were going on in my life. And trust me, if anything now, the ownership of, of what happened is even more important for me. But as you do that, she will continue to help guide you. Now, it'll be less and less harsh as she grows more and more loving because you continue to own things and she is starting to feel more safe around you. But when she is saying some of those things to you, it's because she is fighting her face off for you. She loves you and she still is giving you the time of day. Now, listen, if, when it gets to be just abusive in nature, that's when you start to have to you know, really kind of question, what are we doing here? And when I say abusive, not abusive from you to her, but if she is abusing you just nonstop and continuing to put her foot on your throat, um, that's a different conversation. But if you're truly striving to try and get this thing worked out, both of you, then don't mistake her anger for anything other than she's, she's working through it. And one of my other good buddies, a guy named Brian out there, he said, I, I, I had to move off of this sense of her attacking me and understand that whenever she was starting to get upset with me, that she was just crying for help. And that she truly wanted to, to get this worked out, but she was finally safe around me enough to, to let go of somebody's feelings. And I, I think that would be, Jesse, what, what I would suggest is that ask yourself, is she finally feeling safe enough around you that she can share somebody's feelings without a sense that you're gonna run off again? Um, and I think that's a great question for you. Uh, it says you're separated. Uh, I, I would say, Okay, honey, let's sit down and let's talk about what does it look like to get us back underneath the same roof. I'm not talking about back in the same bedroom, but how do we get back underneath the same roof? How do we start eating you know, all of our meals together again? How do we start getting back to that sense of normalcy? And that will probably have a lot to do with how safe you can make her feel right now. Uh, her safety is truly going to wind up being paramount in your world. And if it's not, that's when you have to take a look at yourself and say, am I really trying to make it secure for her to, to re-enter this relationship without some sense that I'm going to go off and do this again? Um, two huge fears in recovery. One's for the, the person that, that was be, uh, betrayed. So the hurt spouse, their biggest fear is what if they do this again? Uh, the other big fear in recovery comes from the person um, who had the issues with sexual sin, sexual stronghold. And that fear is, what if they truly knew me? Could they ever love me? Which is a natural progression because at heart, 
that's the big question that we have for Jesus. What if he truly knew me? Could he still love me? And, and of course, he already knows you. And yes, he still loves you. And the next logical piece is, no, you don't have to do anything extra on top of that. But there's a lot of work to be done to bring that back in terms of our relationship with the ones that we love the most, our significant others. And so what are the conditions for getting back underneath the same roof? And then once you're underneath the same roof, as you continue to build that safety and security for her, how are we getting back into the same bedroom? I'm not saying that, that we're ready for sexual intimacy. I'm just saying that we're getting closer and closer and closer to each other. And out of the overflow of that relationship, that redeemed relationship, that's when she'll finally feel comfortable enough to give herself to you again. So that's, I believe that is, you know, how you begin to overcome. Um, listen, I, I work for Soul Refiner. I'm a big believer in these concepts. And if, and if you're kind of wondering like, okay, what is the tactical application of this? Please go to soulrefiner.com and take a look at the Conquer series. Take a look at Warpath. It gives you kind of step-by-step -step processes on how to get back into that part of your life that has just been completely crushed by what's happened in regards to sexual sin and stronghold. And then, lo and behold, you have parenting issues that come up. There's something there called legacy. That's another study that we have. And then as you start to think about, oh my goodness, the Lord starts working on your significant other. Maybe they have something out there called intimacy anorexia. That's where we look into the Stronger Together series by Dr. Weiss, where you can start to talk about how come my intimacy struggles so much? How come we cannot get together either spiritually, emotionally, or physically? You know, what's missing here? And I, and I think it can really help. So that's kind of the, that's the, 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 the what to do next, the how now brown cow piece of this is getting into Soul Refiner, taking a look at those things. And again, if you have questions, please reach out. Uh, scroll to the very top uh, of the chat. You'll find my email. It looks like Soul Refiner just put in there, soulrefiner.com. That's a great place to begin. But um, I think it's a great way forward. Okay, let's see what other questions we have. I'm seeing just a ton here. We're just going to keep on going. So Matt writes in, what does healthy sex look like after waiting to have sex through more than two years of sobriety? I am scared if we go back to having sex, I'll get addicted to the pleasure and want it all the time. What's healthy? So, um, Matt, uh, first off, if it's, if it's the Matt that's been in the chat, um, man, it is so good to, to see you here. Uh, I think this might be Colorado Matt, and man, you are missed, brother. I uh, love, loved our conversations, and so um, I just want to encourage you that because of what you've done in your sobriety, because of what you're doing in nonstop recovery, because of where you've come to understand Proverbs 5, Proverbs 7, Song of Solomon, you recognize that your wife, the one of your youth, and, and again, that's talked about very clearly in, in, in some of these passages, the wife of your youth is your standard of beauty and is the one where really all of your, all of your fantasies, all of your... I guess the eyes of, of your of your love, and I, I'm, I'm talking about love, little L love and big L love, not lust, but love. That's where it goes. And as you run to, to Jesus, you run to that relationship, that other stuff, it can't keep up with you. And I, and I think about a, a continually accelerating mechanism, how 
everything else in the world, even if it wants to try and run with it, there's no, nothing it can do to, to get caught up. It cannot run alongside, and if it can, it won't be for very long. And so as you run to Christ, as you run to this woman, and you recognize that she is a standard of beauty, because he is a standard of beauty, and out of reverence to him and what he did for me as the church, that's how I'm going to love her. Wanting it all the time with her, that's a natural outpouring. And then once we figure out what's safe in that relationship, together with her input, not because it's something that you want, or maybe it's some, some, some of the old yuck from the disruption, uh, from of the distorted, from the corrupted notion that we have of sexuality, but for her, her comfort level, okay, her consent, I, I, there is no limit. There's no limit there. The marriage bed, one man, one woman. Now listen, I mean, guys, you're going to talk about variations. Hey, what about dressing up? What about, can we bring together porn into the bedroom? Can we bring, um, you know, whatever it might be, toys, that kind of stuff. Listen, whatever defiles that marriage bed that God intended for us, that one man, one woman, one life, that is where you two have to really dig in together. And this is how to help build that spiritual intimacy. If you're still struggling with a lack of sexual intimacy, go back to square one. Spiritual intimacy with you individually with Christ. Spiritual intimacy with Christ with you and your, and your mate together. And you start building those blocks together. And as she starts to feel more safe around you because she recognizes what your true understanding of the gospel and also what God's direction for relationship looks like, that leads into a better emotional intimacy. And then you watch where Christ takes it from there. And again, with zero expectation that there's any kind of release or any kind of physical, oh, I feel so much better now. Okay, because that, that's incredibly selfish. It's the other person who benefits from the sexual activity. It's, it's, it's not you. And we can take, the, take our eyes off of ourselves. We can truly see Christ in that other person and truly see that other person for who they are. And so that's going to kind of bring us to our last question. I'm going to read this one verbatim, guys. This is not going to be pleasant for a lot of guys. And some of y'all may actually say to yourselves, uh, I, I don't understand. Uh, this is not something that I subscribe to. And I, so I just want to warn you guys, for some of you, you may be triggered. Some of you may find yourselves actually feeling this way at some point. And I, I, I want to let you know that this is, this is a part of where a lot of men find themselves at some, at some juncture. And so we're not going to judge this guy, but we're going we're to kind of pick apart the whole conversation here. And this is about a 15-word question. So the whole conversation is pretty short. And this is an actual question that came in. And I don't know if the gentleman was joking, but a lot of guys have expressed this before to me, and I, I just want to read it out, out loud. What am I to do when no release is available or granted by a tired, fat, worn-out spouse? And so, first off, I, I never do this alone in terms of walking through what some of these questions are. Uh, I, I never just sit there and think to myself, oh, yeah, I know what to say there. Um, my wife is a huge part of this. Um, the, the, the staff here at Soul Refiner, another huge part of this. And so I, I just want to encourage you that as we go through this answer and we, and we talk about this uh, quite a bit, that this is not just what I think. Um, other folks had a lot more visceral response to that. And some of you are probably sitting back thinking like, oh, boy, uh, we, we, got some, we got some problems here. 
there, there's definitely a problem here. And so let, let's just go through the, the, the statement. Uh, what am I to do when there is no release available? Um, you know, what is that release? What are we talking about? Are we, are we talking about uh, ejaculation? You know, let's call it out for what it is. Are we talking about uh, some kind of sexual satisfaction that we get that we think that we have to have, um, either from a scientific standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, uh, from a relational standpoint, that that is some kind of culmination, that is some kind of, this is the best that I could possibly hope for out of this relationship is, is some kind of release. Um, and so I, as we ask that question, I just want everybody to understand that um, our Lord and Savior, fully God, fully man, was a 33-year-old virgin. So for all the guys out there like, yeah, but I have to have that release. Um, I, I have to have that. Um, I, I reject that flatly. Uh, I think that the world tells us when we're very young through, again, just that sense of corrupted sexuality that it all ends whenever there's uh, some kind of liquid-based orgasm. And forgive me if you're out there. Uh, this is definitely grown folks talk for grown folks. And so if you're offended somewhere along the way, um, let me go put on a little bit uh, bigger shoes so I can step on your toes maybe a little bit more. So we don't need it. If, if you have a urologist that's telling you that you're going to die if you don't ejaculate, I, I suggest you get a second opinion. And I mean, I'm just being as, as straightforward as I possibly can at this point. So the, the release piece, I, I just wanted to talk about that very clearly there. Now, as far as just the, you know, kind of the notion that someone would feel comfortable enough. And, and again, I'm, I'm not damning the man who, who, who wrote this in. I mean, this is where he is. And one of the great advantages that the U.S. military has is that we take a snapshot of where we are, we accept it, and then we move forward from there. And I, I look at this, as the first time I read it, I kind of had a, oh, please. And it kind of it gives me the willies about you know, what, what was said here. And then I, I thought back and, and said, man, how, how much more did I have to dislike my wife, or at least the per perceived dislike of my wife, for me to go out and have multiple affairs? And while I would not maybe have said something quite as overt as what, as what this gentleman said, my actions actually said much worse about how I thought about my wife. And man, I love my wife. She was just on a webinar this morning, straight crushing it with some of your wives and, and letting other women know out there that not only is it possible to have a redeemed relationship, um, that's what Jesus wants for you. And she's incredible. And she is so far out of my league, it's not even funny. But I still found myself doing things that make this statement look like kitty pop. And so, brother, you're not alone. You're not alone there. Now, you can't stay here. That, I think that's the big thing. Um, mentioning that your wife is your tired, fat, worn-out spouse, uh, I, I think, first off, that's a huge reflection on you. Meaning that if she's tired and worn out, I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about the, 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 uh, the visually uh, descriptive fat um, that, that's, that's, that's completely up to the, to the beholder. And, but the tired and worn out piece, that's got a lot to do with you. And when my wife was feeling the way she was feeling, which allegedly gave me some sense of being able to go out there and do whatever I wanted to do, it was because I never, ever fully loved her. I, never, I, I didn't understand how to love her because I was so wrapped up in myself and my next release, my next... Um, my next moment and brush with sin, my next fix, it really left no room for her. 
and for my kids. And so as I look at that statement, I think to myself, man, I, I am so blessed to have been outed. I am so blessed that there was a, a discovery of my sexual sin, sexual stronghold. And it kept going. It wasn't brand new. I mean, I'm sorry, it wasn't immediate. Um, everything was on, on the, the table and it was all exposed. It took, it took about a year for everything to come out. And so it was long and drawn out and it was terrible. But in that moment, I knew that whatever it was that I thought that she had been doing wrong, and in your words, you know, tired and worn out, that was because of me. And so as you look in that mirror, and that's exactly what a wife should be. She should be a healthy mirror for you. Uh, I think the Hebrew calls it a healthy adversary. Uh, but really, it's that truth-giving mirror that allows us to see ourselves for what we truly are versus the Atlas and the Adonis that we think that we are. And what she's trying to do is let you know that she is hurt and she desperately needs you. She needs you to be a hero for her. And part of that heroism is admitting your own stuff. And so if you don't want to feel that way anymore about your wife and you want to give your wife the best chance possible to not be that person, you need to make some changes. When I read that, I thought, this guy not only doesn't want to be here, he, he, he wants to get out of here, meaning that he doesn't want to be in this space anymore. It doesn't mean he wants to leave his wife. It just meant that he, he feels stuck and he, he's like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I think the first step is, is understanding that it's not a her problem. It's a you problem. And I, if you're listening, that's great. I'm going to write you back anyway, just to, to kind of give you um, the Reader's Digest version of what I just said. But there's a long road here because when you take all that stuff and you, and you, you say, now my wife is the vibrant the absolutely physically beautiful woman that God gave me, and she is inspired instead of worn out. I think that whenever that kind of stuff starts happening, that's when you know you've made a big change. And her best chance of getting there in your eyes is your activity and your obedience and recovery. So 